most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The bats, relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What up, what up? Welcome to the week number six Fantasy Flex waiver episode presented by Prize Picks. I'm your host, Chris Raybon. Joined, as always, by my dude, Sean Kerner. Sean, how you feeling, man? I know you were struggling this these past uh, week and a half. Yeah, uh, I feel a little bit better. Uh, I guess I, I should be closer to 100% by Wednesday, but last week was pretty rough. Uh, I told you I wanted to have a Michael Jordan flu game uh, last Friday and go 5-0 on my props. Uh, I failed you, and I went 4-1, and um, but I'll take it. And um, since since this is you know more of a season-long-based pod i just want to take a victory lap on mike williams i have him in like almost all of my leagues and oh my god i did not expect him to be like a wide receiver one but i think he's now a wide receiver one uh are are you thinking the same thing oh yeah i mean and that was a tough matchup against d brown i know he scored on both of his scores were like on busted coverages but like that's the point like if he's gonna be the guy that's gonna score on busted coverages and he's getting targets normally like at the rate of Keenan Allen almost then yeah absolutely and Justin Herbert you know oh, is so I have good. him I have him like 15 to 1 to weed the week in passing yards so uh, I think, oh, that's, I, think that's pre- I think that's pretty live yeah so I'm um, love, loving Mike Williams that was a great call I know you mentioned him on pretty much every preseason pod. <laughs> yeah. so I, <laughs> I hope people got uh got in on that because he was yeah he was easily draftable and like you what like the eighth ninth tenth round like it was yeah wide like, receiver 40 to 45 range yeah, right around there. League winner. Yep. All right. So on this episode, we are going to get into the uh, top waiver ads and, and streaming options at each position. We know there are uh, four teams on buys, the Falcons, the Saints, the Jets, and the Niners. So we'll talk about you know guys you can use in place of Ridley and, and Kyle Pitts and uh, Kittle, even though we, you already had to find a replacement for him uh, even last week. But uh, we'll start it. Uh, we're doing a new thing. We'll start the episode. Just talking a few minutes uh, quickly about the Monday Night Football showdown slates. And uh, uh, this week we have the Indianapolis Colts going to Baltimore to face the Ravens. Ravens are seven and a half point favorites. The total is 46. Uh, Sean, uh, I'm guessing if you're kind of looking for that top play, that captain spot, uh, you're you're probably going to have to pay up for Lamar in, in a number of lineups. Is that what you're doing or are you going in a different direction? Uh, you know, for, for showdown slates, I, I like to be a little bit contrarian. I mean, obviously Lamar is the top play tonight. Um, the only thing is, you know, the Colts do play, um, heavy zone so that, that they might be able to limit his rushing ability. I, I still think he goes off. Um, uh, but last year in week nine, you know, he, he only threw for 170 yards, no touchdowns, um, and only rushed for 58 yards with the rushing touchdown last year. So that's, we have that to go off, but 2021 Lamar has looked way better as a passer um, and this is a great matchup um, through the air. You know, the, the Colts ranked 26 in DVOA against the pass. I was hoping that Lamar would get first round pick Rashad Bateman tonight, but they already announced he's not coming off the IR yet. Um, so it'll be the same old, same old. You know, you could stack Lamar Jackson with Marquise Brown. I expect them to go off tonight, but, you know, they're going to be heavily rostered tonight. So, 
Got to get creative. I think the uh, the captain play tonight, uh, I think you might be thinking the same way as going with Michael Pittman. Um, he's been a target monster all season long. I don't think he scored a touchdown yet. He hasn't really been a touchdown scorer in his career, but I could see him breaking that schneid tonight. So I, I think he's a great captain play. I think he'll be overlooked and definitely has you know the potential to be the, the leading scorer in tonight's game. Yeah, I like the Pittman call a lot because, uh, you know, I wrote up the – the Monday night, uh, you know, betting preview at the act- at actionnetwork.com and in the app. And I talk about how the Ravens tend to start fast, uh, especially, you know, when they're just c- going to take care of business, when they're a favorite uh, in the first half with Lamar Jackson, they're 25 and seven against the spread a- a- as a favorite. So that means that when Baltimore is expected to kind of come in and take care of business, they get it, they get it done early in the game. And so what that means is, there's even probably a better chance than usual for a seven point spread that the Colts will be behind for a good part of the game. Um, you know, it's probably less than, you know, whatever 50, 50 would be at seven. It's probably, you know, tilted. So the, the Ravens get out to a seven point lead in, even in the first half. So I think you could see a lot of game script that benefits Pittman and uh, you know, as opposed to the Colts who do play a ton of zone, the Ravens played over 50% man coverage against non Chiefs opponents. Now you don't play man coverage against the Chiefs because um, you're not really blitzing them, and and so that's why Baltimore played a lot more zone. But every other team they face, they played mm-hmm. more uh, more man coverage, and they blitz a ton. Michael Pittman has 12 targets uh, according to Pro Football Focus uh, against man coverage for the Colts this year. No one else has more than six, so he's doubling up the rest of his team in, in targets against man, and that makes sense. He's their most talented wide receiver. Uh, most talented pass catcher, arguably, unless you feel really strongly about Naeem Hines. Uh, so I, I think this is a game where it might be ugly. There's some good cornerbacks for Baltimore, but the volume, I think, uh, could be really strong uh, for Pittman. So I, I like him. Um, and then, you know, if we want to talk about kind of those cheap guys, you know, mm-hmm. there's always going to be some options. You know, James Prochet had a really big game, or not a really big game, but he kind of uh, came out of nowhere and put up decent numbers last week. But I, I like uh, Kylan Granson uh, for the Colts. You know, he's near minimum price. He's only had a couple of targets this year, but all of them, both of them came versus man coverage, uh, which is good. And he played uh, a season high of 50% of routes run per drop back last week. Jack Doyle was down under 20%. And Jack Doyle also sees almost all of his targets versus uh, zone coverage. So this could be another matchup where, especially if the Colts, get behind you can see the rookie Granson who in the preseason they were saying that he was going to kind of be that pass catching tight end Malawi Cox obviously in the red zone um, is their guy but just up and down the field especially if they're trailing I think Granson is going to start to see more and more playing time so this is a good time to kind of jump on a a rookie that could have a little mini breakout at at any point or uh, just a good game uh, at a pretty cheap price so uh, like Granson, uh, what do you think about him? And is there anyone else you're looking at? Yeah, I I love that call, and that's what I love about showdown sites. It's the only time we could take a guy like Kyle Granson. And you know, would it surprise me if he finishes the game with zero catches? No, of course not. But like you said, you know, he's he's a fourth round rookie, um, very good measurables. They've they've said that they expect his role to grow as the season goes on. So a spot like this, you might as well take a flyer, like you said last week, fifty percent routes run. Um, so, and it wouldn't take much, you know, two, three catches in this game, he could be a slate winner. Um, so I love that call, um, getting, you know, sort of ahead of the market. And I know Jack Doyle has been kind of banged up. So I, I think yeah. that's why Granson's playing time has been going up. So love that call. Um, and you know, for, for my cheat code in this game, I have, I have two, actually, you already mentioned one and that's 
uh, James Crochet. He's he's 1K. Um, you know, I already mentioned Rashad Bateman's not expected to play tonight. Uh, Miles Boykin is expected to return from the IR, but I'm not really projecting him for anything more than a catch. Um, so last week, James Crochet actually outran even Devin Duvernay in routes run. Uh, Prochet was on the field 43% of Lamar's dropbacks. Um, so, you know, I could see that continuing tonight. So he's, he's the kind of guy where just two catches for 20 yards and a touchdown will win the slate. Um, so I like taking a flyer on him and then spending up elsewhere. Um, and then the other guy, I, I think a good leverage play tonight is going in on Naheem Hines. I think everyone's going to be on Jonathan Taylor and rightfully so. But this matchup does set up well for Naheem Hines' uh, game script. Uh, you know, he averaged 50% routes run in their first three games, which were all losses. Um, tonight, the, the Colts are seven-point underdogs, so they should be trailing most of the time. Um, last week, Jonathan Taylor outpaced him in um, routes run with 35 compared to 29. Um, and that, that was a winning game script. And Hines got injured, so he left the game. So I think tonight people might be overlooking Hines. You know, with their offensive line issues, maybe he's kind of the best version of an you know extension of the run game. Just dump offs to him, um, as opposed to running up the middle. So I could see them using him heavily. You know, anything over five catches tonight, he could be a slight winner. So I, I like kind of using Hines as a leverage play against Jonathan Taylor tonight. Yeah, it's going to be tough, I think, for the Colts. So uh, I think you know. In terms of the the matchups on the outside, you know, even Pittman's matchup is going to be tough. So I would imagine it would be a running back centric game plan mm-hmm. for the Colts featuring both uh, Taylor and Hines. And Hines is the cheaper guy, uh, so I like that one. And uh, I'll close it up by talking uh, about Sammy Watkins. I think Sammy Watkins is a great leverage play in this game because he's not he doesn't fall into that bucket of those cheap, super cheap guys that people are going to probably have to pick one or two of and you know he's he's not Marquise Brown or Mark Andrews the, the kind of the or Pittman the go-to targets but when you look at the Colts they play uh, about 80 percent zone coverage um, and Watkins is a team leading 203 yards versus zone coverage and he's tied for the team lead with 17 targets uh, against zone according to pro football focus and so 66 percent of his targets uh, about two-thirds have come against zone coverage Marquise Brown is 60% and Mark Andrews is 52%. So uh, Sammy Watkins is that guy that, you know, he's not like certain certain matchups. He might be kind of invisible, but this is one of them, especially because I think the, the Ravens could have more success throwing than, than, uh, than running in this game because the Colts are, you know, run fun, uh, pass funnel defense or 26 in DVOA against the pass, the top 10 against the run. Uh, I think this could be a good Watkins game. So uh, I like the, the Lamar Watkins stack and you could put Watkins in the captain spot, uh, you know, instead of Lamar. And, you know, because like you mentioned, the Colts play a lot of zone. That means they're looking at Lamar. He could, he's still going to get his rushing yards, but he might not get like 98 rushing yards. He might only get like 50, 60. Uh, and then if he throws some touchdowns, I think Watkins is a good chance to, uh, to, to, uh, to get one of those. So like, yeah, I like, Watkins. I like that call. He, he's definitely due for a blow up game. Um, and it's, he's a guy that you consider sort of a high floor, uh, low floor, high ceiling kind of guy. But this year, every game he's had four catches for around, you know, 50 to 60 yards and no touchdowns. So now he's sort of a high floor player, which is nice. But I think we're due for that ceiling game. And yeah, tonight could be it against a more zone heavy uh, defense like the Colts. All right. So that does it for our Monday night football showdown preview. Now let's get into our Monday waivers. Let's start with quarterbacks. And we got uh, Samantha Praviti from the Action Network joining us. Samantha, what's up? Doing great. Had a injury filled week five, but happy to bounce back and look at the waiver wire now. 
uh, an injury. Like you didn't get injured, Wait, right? Like you, you talk about the players. I just I meant my players. Uh, oh, oh, that's good. Me. That's good. Yeah, because you know the way you said it was like I thought you, you had like a hiking incident or something. Yeah, like, that's what it sounded like. No, unfortunately, I tried to go hiking and I drove an hour and a half to the trailhead, and it was just coming down so hard the snow and i just had to turn around so unfortunately there was no epic hike this weekend damn all right well uh hopefully we have an epic episode let's start with quarterback and uh, really there's not much going on you know Dan- daniel jones got hurt obviously but i think you know if you're if you started trey lance last week probably now you need a bi-week replacement for him uh, how do we feel about Justin Fields? He's still rostered in only 37% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, he's going against the Green Bay uh, Packers. Sean, I'll start with you. Like, uh, are we are we interested in Fields uh, still, or are we kind of calming down on him after these couple of uh, slower performances? Uh, yeah, I am very calm on him, if you want to put it <laughs> that way. Um, like I said, he doesn't really have the rushing upside. I think a lot of people assumed he would have. Um, you know, his... His first start, he had uh, 12 yards rushing and then nine yards rushing, then four yards rushing. Um, And he's not doing much through the air either. So I don't know why we'd be rolling him out there. Um, Still, I I still think he's a good stash in deeper leagues. He he obviously does have that dual threat ability, but it's not looking good right now. And I I wouldn't trust him outside of deeper leagues right now. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm calm. Whatever you want to say about it, I am fading Justin Fields right now. Samantha, how are you, where are you on fields? I know uh, I know you had some optimism for him heading into the season. Uh, what have you saw with him in his first couple of starts? Yeah, I'm placid, very calm <laughs> right now about him. Obviously, it's not been great. It's been like he hasn't finished even close to top 12 yet this season. I know we got banged up in this game, but it. I don't know what's going on. It's, it is really surprising, baffling to see him not produce on the rushing side. Obviously we certainly thought that that would be sort of giving him a really nice floor for fantasy. So I am not rushing to waivers to add him. I'm- All right. So there are some guys that are kind of hovering around that, you know, 50, 60% uh, roster ship, Derek Carr. Uh, we, we probably want to drop him. You know, he's facing Denver this week. It's not a spot for him. Uh, the, uh, Sam Darnold is kind of right on that borderline. Uh, Shauna, what what are we doing with Darnold? We have Darnold, like Darnold and Baker Mayfield. Uh, I'm looking at Mayfield as that superior option, but you also have Trevor Lawrence right around that baseline against Miami, but they've been really good and past defense outside of facing Tom Brady. Uh, so like Darnold, Mayfield, Lawrence, I guess, you know, drop or hold given, you know, you need a quarterback for this this week. Oh, God. I, well, it, it should be a surprise that guys like Derek Carr and Sam Darnold uh, came to, down to earth, right? Um, I still think Darnold is a hold right now. He's still, you know, sort of a high-end um, QB2. He, he just has too many weapons. They've been using him too much as a runner uh, to drop him quite yet. But I, I would have preferred to sell high-end guys like this early on. Um, Baker Mayfield, I am worried about, you know, he tore his labrum in his left shoulder. Uh, granted it's a non-throwing shoulder, but that's probably going to be more of an issue than people think. Um, but you know, he's going to have his spots, especially now that we have bye weeks pop up. Um, it, it doesn't really take much to get in the streaming conversation, but I don't think any of these guys really have a high ceiling. Um, I'm still more interested in a guy like Tyler Heineke just because he has dual threat ability. Um, so he's actually a low 
and QB1 this week against the Chiefs. Uh, I think he's probably the most intriguing streaming option. Granted, he's available, but, you know, guys like Darnold, Carr, and Mayfield, uh, you know, I consider them more of uh, middling QB2s going forward. Okay, and, and Trevor Lawrence, are we, are oh, we dropping yeah. him? He's, he's right at 50%. So it's like oh, people are kind of right on the fence with him. His, uh, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I was predicting his, his rushing upside was about to be untapped. Um, so that's why he's in the QB2 conversation. But just uh, like I said, losing DJ Chark was massive for his upside. I think it, it caps his ceiling. And now they're using guys like Tavon Austin and Jamal Agnemore. Like I, I'm not really interested in buying in on Trevor Lawrence. I think he's a mid-range QB2 to low end based on his rushing upside. But I'm not really um, you know, falling over myself to get him in any leagues. By the way, everyone... Jaguars now one and four against the spread. Just, just saying, uh, Samantha, <laughs> um, any thoughts on this QB streaming conversation uh, for this week? Sean mentioned Taylor Heineke is kind of that go-to guy against the Chiefs, whose defense has uh, they essentially left, left their defense in like 2015 because <laughs> it hasn't been here for a while. Um, you know, Spagnola had some moments here, but um, I, I, I kind of agree. I think he's the guy. But what are your thoughts on, on these guys that kind of people might be on the fence about? Yeah, Heineke is definitely the guy that will be headlining my waiver column later as the streaming option. He is 16% rostered, so widely available. He had an off week this week, but I think his past performances and rushing just gives him a decent amount of upside. And yeah, the Chiefs are allowing 32.6 points per game, so it's... uh, Definitely looking like every single one of their games is going to be a shootout. Um, Other guys that might be like on my radar that are widely available, like Teddy Bridgewater, maybe at 18% rostered and Jacoby Brissett at 3% rostered. If you like really needed someone in like a two QB league or something, but yeah, it's pretty lean right now. Like there's not a slam dunk person. I'm definitely going to go Heineke there. And then if you want to like get ahead of the game and really need someone later on, maybe Jameis Winston could be in- interesting to add this week. I know he's on buy this week, but um, 34% rostered and he looked like vintage Jameis. So that was nice. Washington defense. I mean, <laughs> um, I mean, oh my God. come on Washington. Like, and I had the saints in this game. So I'm, I'm not mad at like at them, but just, compared to what we thought they would be coming into the season to the point where now they are like firing a quarterback up against Washington. <laughs> that's a pretty yeah. big fall off. So uh, get it together, Washington. I mean, but that, yeah. that's what makes Heineke too, like attractive that their defense can't hold up at all. So there seems like to be a lot of points and uh, Hey, Chase Young got his first sack. So they're coming <laughs> back. I was going to say, that's a great point, Samantha. That is many times what separates the top options at quarterback in a given week. Cause you're going to have your top tier of guys like Lamar that run, but after that, it's going to come down to, okay, whose team gave up a ton of points so that the quarterback has to throw for like 400 yards to get back in the game. Uh, and that is going to be Taylor Heineke this week. Uh, so just real quick, we have a guy we haven't mentioned. What do you guys think about Tua? Um, he returns this week, potentially. Um, they, they think that they face the Jaguars this week, Falcons next week, and then the bills. Uh, and then the Texans. So do you think he's worth a, a stash right now? Uh, Samantha, what do you think? I mean, you mentioned Brissett, so I'm guessing you'd be also interested in Tua? I mean, I mentioned Brissett because they are playing the Jaguars this week and then the Buccaneers after that. So those are two pretty good matchups. Um, I mean, I, I don't know that he's a guy that I'm like rushing to get since we saw he he was like pretty limited in terms of fantasy production. So I, I think Brissett's a guy that you can maybe add in deeper leagues. But yeah, I'm not like rushing to get to it. What about you guys? Yeah, I think um, 
I think like Tua would actually be less enticing against Jacksonville because <laughs> they might yeah. just call like a more a more conservative game plan. There's still, you know, Will Fuller's still out. Uh, that Dolphins receiving court was banged up. So we're kind of right back where we started with the Dolphins. Like it just seems, it's just, it's, it's just an unattractive thing. And, and weird things happen in London. The Jaguars own London. So like they could like shut the, the Dolphins out this week or something ridiculous. Fair enough. Like, like this is, yes. like it's not, it's not America. Urban Meyer will like, he'll like get away from everything. It'll be perfect. <laughs> like he, he'll get away from his family. You know, he can't, he can't, like he doesn't know. I hope he doesn't know anyone in London that he can like get, uh you know, get lap dances from, but you know, it's uh, it might be a good spot for the Jags. So Tua kind of scares me, even if he did come back. I yeah, was pretty frustrated about Jalen Waddle's lack of performance this week. Yeah, especially Obviously with, not how I thought things were going to go. Especially with Parker out. Yeah, and you mentioned Will Fuller's out and Devontae Parker's, uh, you know, banged up. So it, it's not good. But it's it's unfortunate because the Dolphins have three very easy matchups these next four weeks. But yeah, we can't trust them. Yeah, and, and again, you know, if he plays well, if he comes back and plays well against the Jaguars, then it's like, okay, now we have some confidence heading into the, you know, the the, the next week. But I wouldn't really touch it uh, this week. And I guess we should, like, Geno Smith, I, I personally don't have any interest in him just because you look at the next two matchups and you're going against Pittsburgh, just a really tough defense to, to go against. And then you're going against New Orleans, who – I know they had that weight collapse against the the Giants a couple of weeks ago, but outside of that, they're they're still a top two pass defense in DVOA uh, heading into the week, even with that game against the Giants. So, uh, no real interest in Geno. But uh, Sean, any any do you feel any different? Because I know he's another guy that's going to kind of be a hot topic after he played well in relief of Russell Wilson, who's out for a few weeks. Yeah, I think you know if you're desperate, you're you're in a two QB super flex format, and you need a quarterback. Uh, I think you could do worse because he still has DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett um, and some rushing ability. So I think we can project him for about 20 to 25 rushing yards when he starts. And, you know, he, he didn't look that bad uh, in relief um, last week. So, you know, he, he's my QB 26 this week out of just, you know, there, there's four teams on by. So that's that's close to the bottom. It's a tough matchup. So I wouldn't play him this week, but, you know, stash him for the next few games. You know, I, I'd be down for that because, like I said, he does have those weapons uh, in the rushing upside to put up low-end QB2 numbers. Uh, Samantha? Yeah, I agree. I think it's just a matter of, like, if you're in a super flex or two quarterback or happen to be in a really, really deep league. I have one league where it's like we have really deep benches and it's 16 teams and everyone hoards the onesie <laughs> positions. Like, people have four tight ends and, like, three quarterbacks for whatever reason. So it makes things really, like, scarce on the waivers. So you end up having to kind of do that, too. So, I mean, I could see, Is like, Jason maybe... Hill? Maybe adding him. He's he's probably rostered in this league. So Jason Hill is rostered. You want to add Geno Smith. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I I definitely would want to play him in in week eight against Jacksonville. So it's essentially how much roster space do you have? Because he probably will not have a good game this week against Pittsburgh, which means he probably will still be a free agent heading into next week against the Saints who are another really tough defense. So so in week eight, Lamar Jackson is on by. Derek Carr is on by, but um, that doesn't really matter. But Lamar Jackson is the big one. He's on by in week eight. So if you have Lamar Jackson, I think it's worth to add Geno Smith now. Or, But if you really are, are kind of tight on roster space, which you should because you really shouldn't be holding more than one quarterback, 
Um, it's not a not ideal way to use a roster uh, roster space, but um, if you know you're going to need a, a sub for Lamar, Gino plays Jacksonville in week eight. He should be available now. Good chance he's available next week. So take that how you will and uh, proceed accordingly. All right, let's get into running backs. Uh, some teams that are on buying week six are the Saints. You know, so you're going to need a replacement for Kamara. Uh, the Falcons, you're going to need a replacement for Cordero Patterson and that other guy in the backfield. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and if you had Elijah Mitchell, you might have been, you might have started him last week, maybe not. But uh, the Niners run by. Uh, that's a whole nother story. I'm actually glad we don't have to talk about the Niners this week. But uh, let's start with. Let's start with some of the injuries and, and guys who could end up replacing Kamara or Patterson or Davis. So Saquon Barkley looks like he's going to be week to week with an ankle injury. Clyde Edwards Elaire looks like he's going to be week to week as well. And then we still have that kind of uncertainty in the Bengals backfield. Samaje Piran, who split stat, snaps with Joe Mixon last week, went on the COVID list. So Mixon, he only had 11 touches. It's, he might not be 100% even next week. So there, there could be some interesting things going on there. But uh, I think the big ones are, are Saquon and Edwards Ewer. So, Sean, where are you on the waiver priority between Devontae Booker, who stepped in for Saquon and got in the end zone last week, Darrell Williams, who played 43% of the snaps, uh, to Jarrett McKinnon's 31%. Uh, you know, where are you on those three guys in terms of waiver priority uh, heading into week six? Well, I think, first of all, it depends how long you think Saquon Barkley and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will be out. It sounds like Edwards-Hilaire should be out for three to four games. Uh, and Barkley, it's unknown, right? Like, it could be from anywhere from two to six. Yeah, um, so, it's Saquon so Barkley, though, so he'll probably come back and get hurt again. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, well, um, <laughs> if you think that, then then Devontae Booker would be the ad. Um, and I have him as a low-end RB2 uh, he's been a workhorse back before uh, he stepped up last year on the Raiders when Josh Jacobs was out. Um, he was a workhorse back at one point in time on the Broncos years ago. So um, he'll be more than able to handle a workload. Now, you know, the, the Giants offensive line is a disaster. Uh, rookie Gary Brightwell might mix in, but last week is promising to see that he had zero touches. Um, so, you know, I think the Giants do view Booker as the lead back right now. Um, and I think the most promising thing um, about Booker's stat line from last week is the 71% routes run. Um, and, you know, they're facing the Rams this week. They're 11 and a half point underdogs, I think it is. So I think it's key that we can bank on Booker to be the pass catching back. So that's why he's a low end RB2 for me. Whereas, you know, um, Daryl Williams, he should, you know, lead in like short down situations, goal line situations. He should dominate carries, but I think he'll split the passing work with Jarek McKinnon. And that's really the most valuable role on the chief's offense. So I'm, I'm less interested um, in Darrell Williams, especially since I don't even know if goal line backs even matter in Kansas city anymore. Like, you know, once they get to the goal line, they do some trick play with Mahomes and Tyree kill and Kelsey. So uh, I, I don't know if uh, Darrell Williams is uh, a lock for a goal line carry, even if it does present himself. So I think that uh, out of these two, I think I'd prefer Booker. Yeah. And it just kind of the basic, fundamental of Booker it seems to be the lone candidate to replace Barkley. Mm -hmm. Eli Penny had 9% of the snaps you had, uh, and then you had Booker with 88% of the snaps last week. So and Penny's the fullback, right? Like, yeah. Well, no, he plays half because they also have Colin Gillespie on the roster who can play fullback. So like Penny actually is more of a halfback. Both of those guys play special teams. Brightwell pretty much plays all special teams. 
So there's just a lot of kind of suboptimal uh, game day activations for the Giants, but that's a whole nother, the whole nother conversation. Um, but I, I think just the fundamental of the fact that Booker, you know, by the, you know, playing 88% of snaps, he's the lone guy. Whereas like you had Williams, 43%, McKinnon, 31%. That's going to be more of a split backfield. Samantha, uh, what do you think of the, of these uh, two situations? Cause I think these are going to be the two kind of priorities in terms of waivers this week. Yeah, I think it it comes down to what you said. I think I would give Booker a slight edge. Like, I think that Edwards Elair is probably riskier to miss more time with the initial injury, but we know Saquon's history, as you alluded to, that there is a good chance that that Booker is a worthwhile guy to roster regardless of if Saquon comes back next week. So, and, and yeah, his workload is more impressive. I haven't been impressed with watching Daryl Williams run either. So I don't know that he's going to be an exciting guy to really start week to week, even if CEH is out. I mean, Another guy that I was like kind of interested in was Khalil Herbert. So I feel like he could be up there in terms of like priority, especially if you don't need someone like this week. Yeah. So that's actually a guy we wanted to talk about. Uh, Herbert played 53% of the snaps, got 18 touches. Damian Williams played 48% of the snaps, got 18 touches. Uh, Samantha, what are your thoughts on Herbert? Uh, for, for me, I kind of, what I saw was that Williams was the lead guy early on. The Bears did somewhat surprisingly, I guess, if you you know you look at the Vegas lines, control that game even as an underdog. So we did see Herbert start to mix in late, but it's clearly probably not going to be like an 80-20 split the way it was with Montgomery Williams. Uh, is that kind of what you're getting at here with Herbert? Yeah, I thought that it was... I think a lot of people thought that once Montgomery went out, Williams would be kind of the guy. And it was a little concerning. Like, I think if you just look at the the outcome and the fantasy points, you're going to see like, oh, Damien Williams did fine. But I think uh, the, the touches are concerning. So I think with it being a timeshare, I could see him definitely having value um, until Montgomery returns. Yeah, uh, Sean, you know, this week, I think I had projected something like an 80-20 split for Williams versus Herbert. Um, now I'm not going to go to 50-50, even though it was 50-50 because of the game script, but I think it's more like a 60-40 type of situation, you know, maybe two-thirds for or, or Williams, one-third for Herbert kind of thing. Is that kind of where you're at heading into week number six? Yeah, and I thought Herbert was an interesting, you know, stash. If if Damian Williams were to go down, Herbert would be, you know, low on RB2. But um, I think last week we need to kind of uh, just put it into context that it was a pretty positive game script. You know, the Bears were in control most of the game, you know, so both backs were able to get 15 plus touches. That's not going to be the case most weeks going forward. I mean, they faced the Packers and the Buccaneers and the Niners and the Steelers. So we're going to see more uh, negative game scripts. And that certainly favors Damian Williams. I mean, Herbert didn't see a single target, I believe. Yeah. Um, so I think if anything, this is lowers Damian Williams value to you know more of an rb3 flex than anything and herbert i I don't think we can trust him anything more than an rb3 so this just makes it sort of a murky uh running back by committee in an offense that probably won't be able to sustain um you know even one rb2 every week so if anything this is dings damian williams a bit um and herbert still still a stash just in case damian williams goes down too but um i'm kind of like uh bearish on both backs now Okay, so here's the real question then, because I think this is probably going to be the conundrum if you're in like a deeper league. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll start with you, Sean. Khalil Herbert or Jarrett McKinnon? Who? Um, uh, 
that's a tough call. They're probably projected exactly the same. Um, I'll go with Herbert though. Samantha? I'm the same would go with Herbert. I think he has like, even if uh, Williams, sorry, I know there are two Williams. If Daryl Williams <laughs> goes down, um, I don't think that I'm putting Jarek McKinnon as like a guy with high end RB2, low end RB1 upside. Whereas I would say that would be the case if Damian Williams were out as well. Yeah, I agree. And I always kind of shape you toward the unknown in these situations when you're just looking for upside like herbert is a rookie the regime you know they, they drafted him they obviously like him uh mckinnon's just like a, a guy who has had some good top years in this league um but you know he's a little more toward the end of his career we don't know if he could hold up for a, a full workload over uh, a number of weeks or even even this workload you know even like a 50 percent type of situation uh it's been tough for mckinnon whereas herbert you know <laughs> he was able to come out of nowhere and, and handle 18 touches you know, in, in what his fifth NFL game. So uh, yeah, I would, I would go toward Herbert as well. Uh, all right, let's go quickly through just the pass catchers here. I know this is not as big on the waiver, you know, in terms of the waiver conversation here, but there are some guys on buys this week, Calvin Ridley, Debo Samuel, uh, maybe, maybe we're starting Corey Davis as well in a deeper league. So uh, I guess the first guy we should talk about is Kadarius, Tony, Sean, just what are you seeing out of him in, in terms of, Obviously, he's had some big games and guys have been getting hurt left and right. But I think the question is now more long term, because uh, obviously, if one of the top three is are out for the Giants, you start, you know, Tony's going to be involved. But what is his value if everyone's healthy? Is he is he going to take over for Darius Slayton here? Uh, you know, like what what is going to happen with Tony long term? Yeah, I think he's a, a wide receiver three with upside. Um, and it looks like my prize picks uh, season long. Uh, pick on the uh, under what was it 505 yeah, it's, it's, it's that looks up. like it's toast that's fine though I like seeing players like Tony uh, erupt like that and you know the reasons why I I picked the under was because I, I didn't think Jason Garrett was going to find a way to use him and just they had so many weapons but now with everybody hurt obviously he has to step up and he was able to put up that massive line and just 59 percent of routes run so I mean the sky's the limit with him um, and you know he's he reminds me of Rondale Moore. I mean, he's so shifty. He can make guys miss. He's dangerous with the ball in his hand. So I think with Saquon Barkley out, it would not surprise me if they put him in the backfield and he gets, you know, two to three carries a game, um, you know, usage out of the backfield. They're going to manufacture targets for him um, even when these guys come back. So I think he's he's a wide receiver three to stay. Uh, and if all these guys, if Galladay, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton are out this week, I mean, he's going to be in my top 30 for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a good short-term guy who I think will have some value long-term. He's, he is a number one pick. Um, Samantha, I know you do the waiver column. I know a guy that's probably going to get some some love this week is Amon Ross St. Brown, the rookie wide receiver for the Lions. He has eight targets in back-to-back games. He's averaging six and a half catches for 68 yards over the last two weeks uh, on eight targets. Uh, are, we, are we finally in the clear to kind of maybe trust him going forward, given that rookies' roles do tend to grow? Uh, and Quintez Cephas, who is running a lot of routes uh, for the Lions, uh, also got hurt and looks like he's going to be out. Yeah, I feel like he was the guy that we were all talking about as our favorite sleeper yeah. going into this season. Um, I mean, he's widely available now. I've dropped by including myself in the tan league, but um, 3% rostered. So you can definitely go out in there and get him as a stash. I'm not sure that I am so ready to start him this week. 
just because of the way the Lions offense has been. Really the weirdest part of the offense has been TJ Hawkinson not showing up. So I don't know. I maintain the fact that Hawkinson is the best pass catcher and he will get more targets and more work eventually. So I don't know. Um, I think, like I said, I I would grab him if I had space and probably stash him, but not start him yet. Yeah. Hawkinson, I think he's just been a little banged up and, you know, teams are starting to scheme for him. So, you know, it's going to, there's going to be some ups and downs with him. Um, it kind of like a guy like George Kittle, who, even though he's been an elite tight end, we've seen him have some off games as well. So I, I think I don't think it'll be as consistent as probably those first two weeks when we got really excited. But yeah, I definitely like St. Brown. I think he's a guy to pick up. Uh, quickly, I'll just mention, speaking of workloads, Josh Gordon in his first game back for the Chiefs played 10% of the snaps, got one target, uh, one catch for 11 yards. So he's still a guy that, uh, you know, maybe that starts to go up, but he might be a few weeks away uh, if he's ever going to be a, a real producer. Um, so that that's kind of the, the other guy I wanted to talk about. But let's let's go to tight ends. Uh, Kyle Pitts is a guy that people are going to need to replace. Um, Sean, David Njoku, seven targets, seven catches, 149 yards and a touch last week. There was a lot of points in that game. Njoku has played between 59 and 67% of the snaps each week. Uh, he played fewer snaps than Austin Hooper last week. So he's probably going to be on, like – people that aren't paying a ton of attention or, you know, just kind of trying to look at the numbers. He's probably going to be the guy that, Hey, if I have Kyle Pitts, I need to add Njoku. Uh, where are you on him? Uh, I'd be careful with Njoku and we have to be careful taking away too much from a game that put up 90 points. Um, it's going to be easy to kind of overreact to it. Um, but, you know, I'd be more interested if, you know, Austin Hooper went down or Harrison Bryant went down, but they didn't. So this is still a three-way tight end by committee. Um, and I think Joku is going to be inconsistent. Now, if we're talking about streaming tight ends, all of them are inconsistent. So sure. If you want to take a flyer on Joku, go for it, but I'm still going to be projecting him for around two and a half catches next week. Um, I, I just think having the other two guys there, they were still running routes. Um, they're going to limit his upside. So, uh, it would need, I would need one or both of them to go down or Njoku to get traded. I keep waiting for him to get traded. If he goes to another team, I'd be interested. But just right now, he's, you know, uh, low-end tight end too with a, a massive ceiling like we saw this week. Samantha, as far as the waivers go, you know, Njoku obviously going to be at the top of that list. But there are some other options that, you know, kind of going off what Sean said, Njoku's still splitting snaps and he might not be the every week consistent guy. Darren Arnold seems to be in favor in Jacksonville, even over some guys like LaVisca Chenault. Uh, you know, Arnold's getting a, he led the team in targets. We have Ricky Seals Jones who's playing uh, pretty much every snap, like kind of like Logan Thomas uh, with, with Thomas out. And then Evan Ingram's, you know, had four, uh, four or more catches in back-to-back games quietly. Um, and the Giants are pretty banged up. Arnold, Seals Jones, Ingram, any of those guys interest you? And should, how should people view those guys in relation to, to Njoku, do you think? Yeah. I mean, first of all, tight end is an absolute hellscape and like the people that, have done well in the last couple of weeks. I'm like, are these names made up? Who the hell is Jester Horse, Jesper Horstead or something? <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's just, just as we predicted, of course, like I, I think Njoku will be like, to your point, the guy that people will kind of go out to add without knowing the context of his production. I'm not really like excited to add him um, just because that team is obviously very run first and I, there are three tight ends. So, I, I mean, for other options, Evan Ingram at 31% rostered, as you mentioned, a good option um, considering
considering, you know, there are three wide receivers that are injured and the likelihood of all three of them being healthy all at once kind of feels low for the rest of the season. So it always feels like there's going to be like a guy. So, I mean, he definitely, he was a pro bowler last year. Like he, he has the talent. So um, he's a guy that I would keep an eye on Dan Arnold, I guess a guy dart throw at this point, like, I don't really know how to think about this Jaguars offense. Like who, I mean, I thought that LaVisca Chenault, this was his game after he stepped up in the previous game with DJ Chark going down. So I don't really know. Um, Pat Fryermuth is a guy you didn't mention at 6% rostered. He's a guy that I think could be interesting. He's had one good game so far, but um, Juju going down. I mean, they're pretty lean now at pass catcher. So I think that he could be a guy that maybe once in a while does well. I mean, it's at, at, past like a certain point, it really does feel like guessing for what tight ends are going to end up in the top 12. Yeah. I like the fry moose call because, uh, you know, Seattle, you're going to see a lot of that, you know, cover three zone coverage and Juju was kind of their, their, their guy in the zone coverage is underneath. So uh, Eric Abron has given him nothing. Um, Sean really quickly, just, you know, Arnold seals, Jones, Ingram, fryer uh, which one of those guys are you adding if they're available? Yeah, I like the the Firemuth call long term uh, with Juju out. I don't I don't know if it's going to happen this week for Firemuth, but uh, certainly long term, I think he has the upside. I think out of this um, trio, I would go with Dan Arnold, just because the Jaguars just got him. Um, Urban Meyer has you know claimed his love for him already, um, and his playing time shot up to eighty percent routes run last week already, um, and he got six catches for sixty four yards. So I think that's a little bit more sticky. Uh, going forward, uh, he's going to be involved even more. Um, you know, without DJ Chark, they've ramped up the usage for guys like Tavon Austin and Jamal Agnew. I don't know what's going on there, uh, but Arnold has a chance to be like the number two weapon in this offense. Um, say what you will about the Jaguars' offense, but just being the number two weapon um, in any team makes me interested in a you know a tight end too. So I think Arnold's the guy I'm investing in um, more long term um, than these other guys. So I, I think he's the guy I would add. Yeah, he's I mean, such a guy on fantasy Twitter. That's a very buzzy name. He's like Brian Edwards. I don't know. There's just like a guy at every position that everyone's like so excited for like Dan Arnold breakout season. And I think fantasy Twitter lost its collective mind this weekend when they saw Jacob Hollister get the touchdown. <laughs> now Arnold obviously did fine too, well, but it was just funny because everyone was like, Oh, it's, I mean, they've, they've just been waiting for it. It's like confirmation bias. That's uh, that was uh, Raybon's boy last year's Dan. Arnold. <laughs> I was about uh, to say they were a year late. Like what, how is Dan Arnold just buzzing? How is he not buzzing when he was running like 10% of the routes every week for the Cardinals <laughs> heading into last year? Like, come on guys, <laughs> come on fantasy Twitter. Um, hey, those, <laughs> those troll touchdowns are going to happen on the Jaguars. They have like eight tight ends right now. So I'm not overreacting to that at all. Uh, Arnold led the way with 80% routes run. That's all we care about here. Yeah, the routes for tight ends. I mean, you're talking <laughs> like Travis Kelsey is like 87, 88 every week. Uh, and he usually leads the league. Logan Thomas was at like 92. So yeah, he actually led. But like those two guys, if you're getting anywhere close to that, anywhere yeah. above like 70%, 70 and up, um, you're in that conversation. So yeah, Dan Arnold for me as well. Uh, Samantha, thanks for joining us. As always, you guys can find... Uh, Samantha, wait, Samantha, when does your waiver column come out? Uh, it comes out today. Okay. So on Monday, uh, um, just like right before the Monday night game usually. Okay. And then your flex episodes, Tuesday and 
Thursday. I do a mailbag episode on Thursday. So send me any mailbag questions, start sit questions, trade evaluation, league adjudication. I saw some terrible trades that are vetoable on Twitter today. So uh, hit me up with any of those questions at mail, mailbag at ashnetwork.com. Yes, there you have it. All right, Samantha, thanks a lot. Uh, and now we will get into our prize picks uh, elite entry segment. All right, next up here on the Fantasy Flex podcast is a segment we call Elite Entries, where Sean and I dive into the Prize Picks app and compare our player projections to the props to build some entries. Sean, start us off with your Prize Pick Elite Entry. Uh, we're doing Monday Night Football today, so the Colts, Ravens. Who do you like in this one? Uh, I'm going with Carson Wentz to go over eight and a half rushing yards. Um, you know, I think this line would make sense a couple weeks ago when he was dealing with not one but two ankle injuries. Uh, but he said himself uh, that he feels close to 100%. He put in his first full practice since week one. So I think he's going to be around 100% tonight. Um, he's, he's been underrated as a rushing quarterback. Um, and we saw it, you know, week, week one this year, uh, he had, I'm just talking about designed rush attempts and scrambles. He had 23 rushing yards in week one, 37 yards in week two. Week three, he was hurt, so he had zero. Um, and then last week, he had 12. Um, but at the end of the game, he had uh, minus four yards due to kneel down. So he ended up with eight rushing yards. So, um, you know, I like the fact that in my projections, the Colts are seven point dogs in that. I think the, the likelihood of him having kneel downs is a bit lower. So, um, you know, I'm projecting closer to 12 and a half, 13 and a half in this market. So love the over eight and a half rushing yards tonight. Yeah, I think at most you'll probably get one kneel down if, let's say, they get the ball back right before the half and they just run out of the clock. But you don't expect the coach to have that much success in this game. The line has actually gone uh, at many books from seven to seven and a half, which tells me that there is some big money coming in there to get off that key number of seven on the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I think the Baltimore Ravens do get off to a hot start in this one as well. I talk about that in my uh, preview at actionnetwork.com. So uh, I like Wentz over as well. Those kneel downs can, can make or break these, these, yep. these uh, lines. So that's a really uh, astute observation. Uh, for my uh, prize pick elite entry for Ravens Colts, I'm going with Sammy Watkins over 40 and a half receiving yards. Again, Sammy Watkins has been Baltimore's top receiver against zone coverage. The Colts play about 80% zone. Uh, and Watkins has 203 yards uh, versus zone and just as many targets uh, as Marquise Brown. So he's been more efficient um, than Marquise Brown against zone coverage. He hasn't really done as much against man. I think that's kind of what you expect from Watkins at this point in his career. He's probably lost the step. Just all the injuries he's dealt with, but he's still a smart guy. That's why they liked him in Kansas City. You know, even though he didn't always put up big numbers, you know, he knew where to be and, and how to kind of help those other guys out. But I think this is a game where we could see a lot of uh, a lot of Sammy Watkins here. So going over 40 and a half receiving yards. I have him projected uh, closer to 50. So I, I like this prop into the, uh, I would say until at least uh, about 47 and a half. Uh, you know, I think four catches for 48 yards is, is certainly doable for, for Sammy in this one. Yeah, and he's been really consistent this year. He has four catches in every game. He's gone over this number in every game. And I think, you know, this line might make sense if Rashad Bateman, their first round pick, were to make his return or his debut tonight, but he's not. So, um, yeah, I love this over as well. I'm projecting it closer to 50 as well. Yeah, so that's our little two, you know, we can make a little two, two-man yeah. entry. Wentz over eight and a half. And I like that Wentz over eight and a half, I should also mention, because again, Baltimore plays uh, more than 50% man coverage uh, you for in three of their four games they only Kansas City which you don't you don't want to do that against Patrick Mahomes but uh, that means their defenders will be turned around so that yep. means Wentz uh, could get like one freebie scramble and he's over this number uh, eight and a half yeah so, yeah 
Yeah. And uh, another quick point, um, but just rush attempts for quarterbacks doesn't really matter on the game script. Um, with Wentz, actually, uh, eight of his 10 design rush attempts this year have come when the Colts are trailing by three or more. So um, the, the potential negative game script doesn't scare me. It, it, in fact, it probably helps his market. So that's that's another reason why I do like his over eight and a half. All right, so that is our prize pick and weed entry for tonight's Monday night football matchup between the Ravens and the Colts. Carson Wentz over eight and a half rushing yards. Sammy Watkins over 40 and a half receiving yards. As a reminder, prize picks markets do move. So you want to get on those numbers quick in order to lock in the best ones. If you haven't created a prize picks account yet, check out the link in our episode description. If you haven't created a prize picks account yet, check out the link in our episode description and they'll match your first deposit up to $100 or visit prizepicks.com and use the promo code ACTION10. Oh, that's A-C-T-I-O-N-1-0. Okay, now back to the show. So that is going to do it for our waiver episode here at the Fantasy Flex presented by Prize Picks. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. You can find our fantasy football content rankings projections tool at actionnetwork.com or in the Action Network app. And you can find our DFS content and tools at fantasylabs.com. Until next time, let's get this money.